Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Just want to thank everybody. Um, yeah, thank everybody for coming. And I want to thank Krishna. And just a quick introduction to Krishna. Um, for those of you that um, are just sitting with Krishna for the first time, um, he's just an amazing Dharma friend. And he's so, it's, it's kind of hard to know where to start because he's so immersed in the Dharma and has had so many, so many teachers. He reminds me of like Dilgo Kensei, who has just said he had 108 teachers. I think Krishna probably has had more. <laughs> he's been studying in all the different traditions uh, since the 70s. And he's extremely humble, has these really, really wonderful um, insights, but he's extremely humble. And what I take away from Krishna most is this amazing beginner's mind. He's so passionate about the Dharma. And, you know, when I, when I chat with, with Krishna, I always feel so enlivened because his passion for it is so strong and has so much heart. And um, so we're extremely, extremely fortunate to have him with us today. And um, yeah, Krishna, I'll let you, I'll let you take it from here. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. I was, uh... I, I I just kept feeling as you were talking that you were talking about yourself. <laughs> yeah, I wish not. <laughs> There's a, a <laughs> but um yeah, let's just start off with some silent silent sitting. There's um in sometimes. The, the most exalted forms of meditation are also the most basic. Like for like there's being still before one learned how to move either in body or in mind to just be. So to be able to be completely unadorned, uncluttered, unmoving, be in that stillness and be in that stillness for the length of time of this, this sit. The silence is so, so refreshing. And to, to speak in a way that it where the words can have that same it's can provide the same refreshment as the silence. be available to the silence is is a relinquishing of 
that which um, one uses to to defend or to oneself, you know, the wall that one would have against life itself. So to be completely present and alert and aware. Without the, the wall, the blockage of, of thought and all that goes along with that, be completely present, whether there's thought or not. being available to what is here. Be fully present, fully awake. There's unlimited dreams that one can find oneself in, that one can generate. One is lost in a dream until one perceives in a flash, in an instant, that the dream that one was caught in or living in or find oneself in was produced by one's own mind. And it's um, a universal phenomenon that when one wakes up out of a dream, and sees that all the elements in the dream was created by oneself, by one's mind. And dreams are countless. When is this dream, that dream? It seems so real when one's in a dream. And dreams are propelled by wanting and fears. And and one wakes up out of it. All the dream characters were concocted by oneself, one's own mind. All the images was created by mind. Days and nights and periods of time in the dream. It's wakes up, it's all gone. The dream might seem like it went on for 
years or decades or centuries, who knows, it could be anywhere in your dream. No, except it's all come back into oneself. When recognizes with beyond any shadow of a doubt that everything in the dream, all the images, all the sounds, all the sensations, all the pleasant and unpleasant, the delightful and the terrifying, is all created by one's mind. It's all made up of one by mind. All the worlds, time, space, all produced by mind. What is that? The I that one believed oneself to be in a dream, when we accept that was also by mind. And then one is here. There's a striking contrast between what one believes and, and what is. One believes things to be and what really they are. What one believes others to be even the sense of otherness and what they really are, what one believes about oneself and what is truly here. And when a belief is seen to have no basis in reality, there's a sense of waking up, coming out of a a fog coming out of a delusion, coming out of a dream. It was said about the Buddha after his soon after his big enlightenment under the Bodhi tree, that he was walking around and someone asked him, who are you? you know, he, was, he was reportedly very, very luminous. And someone asked him, who are you? Are you a are you a god? Are you some deity? Are you a man, a person? What, what are you? It was, it was so 
so much luminosity and, and the Buddha answered, not any of these, I'm awake. That's that's a story. I don't really know what happened. Another dream. But the point of that is that there's a huge weight that's lifted in oneself. You know, we all feel that when when a delusion is lifted when a, when a weight that one has been carrying has been dropped. When a mirage has been seen for what it is, to not really be there. Sometimes it's very disappointing in one's wandering in the desert and one wants water and sees a body of water and then turns out not to be that. Why is it that human beings in particular, but maybe other species are so intent on holding on to views that have no real basis to them in actuality. There's, there's the appearance of things and there's what is. When it comes to oneself, one can be to one can be really sure that one knows how things are. One can be really sure, certain that one knows who and what one is. You know, I'm this, I'm that. It can go on and on and on. And then one wakes up. You know, even the I, the I that I am so certain about wakes up out of that. Where is it? If what I am is not what I think I am, and if the world isn't what I think it is, what is, what is left, what is here? Things are just open-ended without holding on to a fixed image of oneself and of the world. There's tremendous space that's, that's opened up into. There's a huge letting go, an enormous release of 
of tension and that goes along with the release of illusion. to have a moment where everything is clear. It's like the light has been turned on. My words like illumination and enlightenment can be used. The light is turned on, one can see what is. What's, what's seen is a function of the seer. The world that is viewed, that is observed, is a function of the, of the viewer of that world. It goes both ways. As an individual, one is made up of elements that came about from the environment, from the world. You know, with the air, with the earth, the soil, with one came out of causes, there were causes that led to conditions, that led to more causes, that led to more conditions. When is, you know, we came here, we're alive and functioning because of all sorts of conditions. It goes way, way back, so many. And one perceives the, perceives the world, there's perception, there's that which is aware. There's there's the way that the body is working and the way that various organs in the body are functioning and the way the brain is functioning and the way the mind has been condition that um, leads to everyone perceiving the world in a somewhat different way of those commonalities. You know, someone wants something that someone else is um, running away from. Is somebody likes hot, somebody else likes cold. Someone loves this that some, someone else hates. It's all like dreams. There's a, there's, there's a common element that it 
all comes back to, and that's awareness. That's before wanting and fearing. It's before love and hate. It's, it's before uh, before thought. It's ever cognizant, it's present, it's here, it's aware, it's the common element for all of us. It's what is before there was a label, this is this and that is that. It's before this and that. It's when one says I am or you are, it's before the I and the you. It's before the are, the is. It has no size, no shape, no form, no color. It's aware, it's what all forms, all shapes, all things, all no things um, are based upon. The awareness that's present, that's open-ended, that has space for everything. It's like supreme compassion. There's availability and space for everything. It's one's own nature, it's what's here. It's that which has it knowing this, it's sure that what happened when one woke up out of a dream that it was just a dream. And that's true of everybody. It's that which is here before the thought that learned about past and future and present. That was learned. What's here, there's no past, no future, no present. It's here. It's, it's one cannot get to here. One can't leave here, you know, wherever one is here. And along with that comes a it's felt recognition of the inherent freedom. It's always here, you know, that when 
feels like one's lost, one seems to have lost. But it's always innate here. And so. So one wakens up out of a dream, out of confusion. It's, and along with that, there's this clarity and it's inherent. There's a power in that. Because it's oneself, you know for yourself, you are that. It's not a type of knowledge that's gonna change as when the weather changes. Okay, that's, that's a lot. To be oneself is not, it, it, it cannot be called either hard or easy. It's fundamental. It's the most familiar. Being is that which could be said to be foundational, that everything is sustained by that. One doesn't maintain being, it's, it's here, it's self-sustaining.
self-liberating. So when it really gets down to it, this recognition of, of inherent, of what's inherent, of one's own, of this natural being that one is, it, it comes from in oneself. As our own nature is like, when is when is free? When's liberation? Liberation is one's own nature. You know, one can seemingly bind oneself. You know, it's, it's most um, insidious forms of bondage are the self bondage that one starts believing that which one always knew wasn't really true, like one's thoughts about things, that's a big subject. To be really clear in oneself, to see that one is this clarity. It's like the sun, you know, the sun just illuminates. There's an enormous force, enormous energy in, in terms of activity of the sun, any star. It's tremendous heat, it warms, it warms us here on earth. There's a tremendous light. The sun is just being the sun. There's an enormous power and enormous energy. It's being itself. It's not doing anything. It's the same with consciousness. With the consciousness, the awareness that's here, whether one is in this mood or that mood, whether one's noticing this or ignoring that, whether one's eyes are open or closed, one's listening or not listening, one's feeling or not feeling, if one's, you know, actively conscious or seemingly asleep, even in deep sleep, there's this awareness that's here. It's not different whatever the state of consciousness is. And that's the same as the basis of all of us. That it's here if one is young or old. That it shows up in everything. And like even more than the sun, the sun itself had a beginning It'll have an end. There's a sense about in this immediacy of this instant that that which is aware that 
that where recognition comes from, where thoughts come out of and go back into, that here is, it's not limited by time. It doesn't have a beginning and end. Like right now, And it's, it's could be said to be the home that one is never left, the home ground. The, the peace that's not constructed and this can't be demolished. <laughs> Okay, so maybe we could have some interaction, you know, maybe questions or discussion. Hi, Krishna. Hi. Hi, hi, nice to see you. It's, it's just as you were talking, I thought that was a wonderful talk. And then, you know, taking us on, I thought I was in Ohio listening to Krishna Murti under the tree. That was, there's a reason why your name is Krishna. So thank you. <laughs> Uh, it was, just took me right there. It was wonderful, just description of the awareness and, you know, uh, where there is no beginning or an ending and there always is. So I just wanted to say thank you. And Mike says hello also. It's great to see you, Krishna. Okay, okay. <laughs> great to see you too. <laughs> yeah. Say hi to Mike. I'll give him a call anyways. <laughs> I will, I will. Nice to see you. Thank you for your teachings. Mm. Thanks for your presence. I just wanted to say thank you, Krishna. Uh, excellent talk. Uh, you you seem to echo uh, Hung Po um, trying to describe the indescribable. Uh, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, thank you for your appreciation and your presence. Enjoy it very much. I'm just going to say one other thing. Um, I, I notice that when I sit, um, when I use concentration techniques, um, and then use insight techniques, it seems much easier uh, from that concentrated state of mind to really see everything, thoughts, feelings, and perceptions uh, coming and going, um, you know, having an awareness of where everything is, is, uh, you know, basically coming out of emptiness and back into emptiness. Um, but I find that, that using the concentration techniques along with the insight techniques, uh, you know, either simultaneously or, or one after the other. Um, personally seems to, to uh, 
help my uh, awareness of, of big mind, of, of uh, before thinking mind. Um, what are your thoughts about uh, the different techniques that are used in Buddhism, various uh, um, types of meditation? I, I, I'm not, I mean, I would just say whatever works, great. <laughs> you know, if, if it, if it, there's, um, there's a certain time, you know, if it works, you know, you find out very quickly, you get results. There's, there's a certain point where you'll have to ask yourself who's doing the technique. You know, it's, it's like you take, take a trail, you're hiking up, you're hiking up to go somewhere. You, um, you take a trail, you go, you hike up, you go to the top of a, of a mountain. Then you, um, it might be a time where let's say you're, you have wings. You're a certain type of a creature that has wings. You have feet and you have wings. So you're, you're some kind of legendary or mythological creature. You hike up to the top of the mountain and then there's this big expanse and, and you flap your wings and you fly. So, you know, maybe, maybe you could say it's like you have a paraglider. There's, there's techniques for something. Like what are, what are you practicing for? What are you meditating for? There's, Yeah, it, it seems that different techniques help different things. You know, sometimes, you know, when you're busy with life, there's there's mm -hmm. doing and it's it's you're on the on the stage, so to speak. And then other times you're in the audience and everything is an object coming and going. And then sometimes you even realize that that thought that someone is watching all of this is just another thought. Uh, so it's almost like you're you're backing up and zooming in and backing up and zooming in, um, and maybe different techniques help. You have different focal points. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, what whatever works. I mean, at least you're not, you know, spacing out and, you know, that's 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 who is it that's doing the techniques or not doing the techniques. You know, that's like the big question. There's a, there's a certain, let's say question, it's a longing that is there in everybody. Some it's buried, some are um, given their life to it, but it's a certain question that has to be resolved. You know, and that question can be phrased as what am I? What am I really? Who am I truly? What is this actually? 
you know, it's, it's, and it's not an academic question. It's, it's driven by that same impulse that wakes one up out of a dream, whether it's at night or in a daydream. It's what leads one to say, Dharma, you know, to this practice rather than, you know, maybe doing something else, you know, like hanging out in the bar. It's like, what, what am I? What is all of this? There's, there's something and there's, what is this something? You know, what is this mysterious world? that has such tremendous sorrow in it. You know, it's so disappointing, you know, at best it's gonna to come to an end. You know, what is all this, you know, time. And, and one sees, you know, you do some meditation, you see that there's some kind of connection between time and thought. Also, there's some kind of connection between how one's life is and how one is thinking and feeling about it. There's, there's so many things, there's, you know, one starts to see how the interplay of all these elements in the world, you know, with oneself in the world and with other things in terms of life systems, social systems, you know, political systems, environmental systems, you know, that um, one can't pull apart one thing from, some, from something else. And that somehow or another, there's some kind of connection between the way one is and how one is um, engaging with this in oneself and the world around oneself. And to feel that for a moment leads to, you know, like a tremendous in interest an activity to do something about this. And, and one is, you know, to get to the bottom of this, like, well, what, you know, it could be what is true relatively and what is true fundamentally in oneself. And this, To be clear about what is and to take action with that. You know, you call that, you know, enlightenment is defined in a lot of different ways. That's could be one of them to, to see things as they are. You know, be able to perceive oneself as one is, is a huge thing. It's a worthy undertaking to perceive anything as it is. And, you know, we're in a world where, you know, sometimes it's like nobody wants this. Nobody wants to look at themselves and nobody wants to really see what's going on around them. And then we get into arguments and fights and wars and all of that. So, yeah, I mean, uh, from my perception, he finds... Find what it is that you really, really want. You know, what your heart is really set on and go for that and go for that totally. 
And that would be an attitude to take you know, when one practices, you know, when you meditate, whatever it is you do, you know, meditations and everything, you know, be, be complete about it. Be total, you know, total, there's no regrets. You were talking about you were talking about um, this idea of fixing ourselves how we that the that the delusion is when we try to fix ourselves in um, time and space and um I was thinking you know we live in a culture that kind of demands that we try to fix ourselves in time and space right the the, the who the who are you, you know, when you go for a job interview, you know, or something like that, or when you're just trying to live day to day. Um, and we have this, you know, well, I'm just throwing some cultural terms around. We talk about self-esteem. We talk about being centered. Um, how do you, I mean, I guess I'm not really sure. That seems, it seems paradoxical to me. Like I know, you know, my, I know my job is not who I am. So I do know that much. <laughs> um, but I guess I was wondering if you could just expand on that a little bit. Yeah, well, I, that's pretty vague. I, I don't know what you want me to expand on. So I guess how do you how do you live day to day in a culture that is demanding that you fix yourself in time and space? Mm. And then and but not to know that that is delusional. How do you how do you show up for work and know this is what I do for work and 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 that that is not the totality of who I am. What, what do you do on a daily basis to like, just get yourself? I don't know. <laughs> I almost don't know what I'm asking. Maybe somebody else does. <laughs> does it make sense? Well, all I could say is like, say you, you're, you're an actor and, you, and you're playing in a theater, you know, you're playing a role, but you know, you're not the role. So it's like that. You notice it's just like anything else. I mean, you're doing, pr presumably, you're doing practice. Um, you know, so you, you, you're aware, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, you go to your work, you know, you're aware of what you are. You know, you're, you're, you're in a role. You notice your reactions. You notice your non-reactions. You're in a role. You go back, you know, I don't know if you live with people, you know, whoever you're living with, if you have a family or housemates or whatever it is, you have another role. You go to um, some other locale, you have another role. You're by yourself, you have another role. These are roles. They're, you're playing different parts in, in a big movie. So 
if you're clear about yourself, what is that before you have the roles? And then you become aware, you know, whatever situation is, you know, what some things will piss you off, some things will delight you. Some, you know, you can enjoy this, you can get unnerved by that. You notice that this, this is mind stuff. It can, you know, you can bring yourself back to um, being present. You can see where you get caught. You see what, what catches you and see what frees you. It's, it's, a, it's a different thing, but you don't have to believe in that the role you're in, you don't, you can notice, notice that. And that's having some space. So, you know, you do some, meditation is not just you're sitting on the ground on a cushion. Or whatever it is, slow walking or doing Tai Chi or yoga. Are you, are you awake? Are you like right now? This, this is the basis. What is this that's aware? Here, now, and always. It's like that when one falls asleep, one wakes up. Mostly wake up like now, hmm. here, right now. Thank you. I have a, a, a question, uh, Krishna. Okay. And uh, yeah, I may be similar. I have a, a similar experience in me in that I do find times where I, I find it beneficial. You know, I know you mentioned like whatever works. So I want to just kind of get your view on this. I do find it beneficial to kind of till the soil of the mind, if you, if you will, mm. you know, with some, with some concentration, like calming the mind a bit some insight. And then, you know, you mentioned, you know, at some point you have to ask yourself, you know, like, what am I, you know, who's asking the question and those types of things. Do, do you find some merit? Do you find some merit in that, in that kind of calming the mind kind of first and then, then asking the question? Um, yeah. Or do you find it more, in your experience is kind of a more of disturbance to kind of have any kind of activation and, and trying to calm the mind first. Just kind mm -hmm. of curious about your opinion on that. It's kind of an age old, age old non-dual question probably, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd like to get your view on that. Yeah, I mean, one has to look at one's own experience. Um, it really comes down to that. Um, I mean, if you're asking, I don't know, this might be like a way of trying to ask about the gradual path versus the sudden path. 
<laughs> yeah, or pass or pathless pass. Yeah, yeah. It's like mm -hmm. like the old Zen debate. There was the, mm -hmm. the, the sudden school versus the gradual school. Mm -hmm. um, or the the different paths versus no path. As you know, Ali mentioned Krishnamurti, you know, his famous line, truth is a pathless land. Mm -hmm. And and even admirers of Krishnamurti um, will sometimes try to modify that or, or they say, well, I won't go that far. You know, maybe Krishnamurti was rebelling against being brought up in a specific path that was supposed to lead him somewhere. Like, what, um, What um, is really, it's the most crucial point, okay? The most crucial matter, you know, it's, it's um, is to discover the truth of oneself, of what is, you know, and oneself and say like oneself, how do you define oneself? The truth of life. This is this is a question. You know, when when people say they want to find, you know, what is life? What is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? And it gets very mental. Or they say they want to find out. They say, well, why don't we find out what I really am? And I'll go on a search. But if you're looking for yourself, it's it's the one who's looking. They'll have to find oneself. What is that? What would that be that, that would take? No, you cannot travel to find yourself. You can't go anywhere to find yourself. You are yourself. It's not going to, you don't find yourself later. It's not like you lost yourself in the past. Yourself, that which is aware, is here right now. So in the sense that any type of investigation, you know, one will do practices to chill out, to get focused, to relax, to be centered, to function. There's all sorts of things one can do, but there's a, there's a certain um, body practices, you know, mind practices, working with all sorts of things. But what's overlooked, which is how, what has happened in um, the, um, These, it could be called the, the um, denuding of practices from where they came from. Let's say, you know, the, the, the tradition of Dharma that's gone back 2,500 years and more um, is that the basis of one's life has been forgotten in terms of doing things in order to function in the dream better and function in the world better. When, when the basic point is to discover the truth of oneself, in other words, to wake up and to perceive what is. So, you know, both the words awakening and the word enlightenment, you know, to shed light on it, to perceive are completely appropriate and applicable. So, um, one can realize this right now. 
And only one can, the only time to realize this in oneself is right now. And that's what the um, proponents of, you know, the sudden school in Zen, as they called it, or the, or the no path, like what Krishnamurti would, would say, you know, what's, what's put out in, in it's, it's there in all, it's, it's actually there in all the, the Buddhist traditions. Some of them are, it's more hidden than others, or it's, it's more, more overt than others. But the fact is that it's what's here right now. It's com completely, all of it is up to you. And you are that. We are all that right now. And from that recognition, that's where all of life comes from. It's already come from that. You know, it's, it's something that just like waking up out of a dream that somehow you knew when you were dreaming that you were dreaming this, but somehow there would seem to be like a little bit of a conking out or so much one gets lost in the pretense that one's a character in dream and really one has spun out this dream. The time to wake up out of this dream is now, you know, an alarm clock goes off you're going to wake up, say, whether it's an external alarm clock or the alarm clock of one's own nature. And that's, um, it would be said, you know, those who are attest to this have said, you know, in every tradition, Buddhist or non-Buddhist, and within that, is that, that's when the real life begins. That's, that's the beginning of the real life. And it's something that's discovered when in that moment, in that flash, when one doesn't turn away, one doesn't distract oneself, one stops dreaming, one stops spinning out, one's clear and there's something there's a there's it's like a fire it's a passion where without even a thought it's underneath the thought that i'm just going to wake up and stop avoiding myself thanks um so when our energy you know, we've been surrounded by depth with, with COVID and everything. And I think that when we die, our energy goes back to stardust, moon dust. And I wonder when that energy transfer occurs, do you think there's any consciousness that goes with that? Um, uh, um, <laughs> you want my opinion? <laughs> Yes, that's you're, all you have. You're basic, <laughs> basically, you're asking me whether, in my opinion, if consciousness continues after the death of the body. Exactly. Thank you. Uh -huh. Why do you want to know that? Well, you know, I've, uh, I've uh, gone to a lot of memorial services, and it's interesting to hear, you know, People are waiting for you. There's the lie, you know, just um, uh, oh, we'll be together again and all of this. And mm. well, you know, I, 
it, it's just, I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think everybody's entitled certainly to their own um, comfort, but I just was interested in your opinion. Yeah, I, I don't believe that either. So <laughs> I'm with you on that one. I, I mean, what people say, you know, people say all sorts of things, you know, because they're afraid, they're afraid to be alive in this moment. So, you know, they'll, they'll make up all sorts of things about what happens, you know, after after the death of the body. I mean, in terms of consciousness, whether consciousness continues or not, um, you'll find out <laughs> what to say. You'll find yep. out, you know, you, you can't really rely on anybody else, you know, even, um, you know, but you'll find out. It's like right now, are you, are you conscious right now? Well, that's, you know, that's a good question too. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a really good question. You know, like, you know, the death of the body, you know, even if it'll happen in five seconds, it's a long time from now. Right. You know, it's, it's, are, are you conscious now? You know, you know, it's, Good question. Yeah. I, I, so. I, <laughs> Try to be. Yeah, well, it'll be that. There's something if you're really, really conscious right now, a lot of this other stuff will get very, very clear. You know, it's, it's the thing is that there's this, um, Awareness is it's it's clear and it's luminous and it's here and that's the same for all of us. Like I don't have to, I can imagine all sorts of things, scenarios about people like while they're incarnated in a body right now. Can ma- you know people do that all the time? Imagine all all sorts of things again. That's why we have all these wars. You know, you imagine all sorts of things about themselves. There's one thing that's that's um, incontrovertible and that's you're conscious, I'm conscious. Everything else is conjecture. It's fantasy, it's a dream. But when is our clarity a delusion? When, you know, when maybe when you think you're clear. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for your talk today. Okay. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thank you so much, Krishna. We really, really, really appreciate you, mm. your time and, and your wisdom. So thank you very, very much. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Please, please come back and, and share more with us. But thank you again. It's so refreshing um, to, to hear this in, in kind of an ultimate truth way. Um, thank you so much. Um, I'm sorry, I do see a question. Um, again, if people want to jump off, they can. I just wanted to um, thank you, Casey, for hosting this and for the work that you're doing. It's so delightful to show up at a conversation like this. And also, oh, my back. And okay, Krishna, yeah. it's just such a delight and thank you for the wisdom and the share and and the pathless path of, of uh um just it's 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 just so refreshing to um 
be in the space and hear the space and and have it explained the words that that can give context to it um, the way in which you share that and um so happy to be here thank you both awesome yeah. and if anyone you, everyone could um unmute themselves too and just say a quick thank you and and any goodbyes and all that too well i'd like to thank you casey and and your friends yeah. i mean it's it's been a pleasure to be here and um awesome thanks yeah. <laughs>